Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. As believers in Jesus Christ, our Heavenly Father loves us unconditionally, regardless of what we say or do. However, how we experience His love, how we walk in His love, and how we love others in His love is very much affected by how we live our lives in this world and how the world lives in us. Let's open now to 1 John chapter 2 and learn how we can better experience and walk out the incredible, overwhelming love of our Heavenly Father. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. Today is uh, Friday, July 3rd, and uh, we're here in Texas. It's uh, around almost 9 a.m., 8.46, I guess, in the morning. It's just going to be three verses today. I don't know how long it'll be, um, hopefully around 30 minutes, but they are... Um, they're incredible verses, and I've never heard a uh, I've never heard a teaching on them. We're going to discuss today First John chapter two verses fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen. We're going to go ahead and invite the Lord into it, and we're just going to take off in it. So, Lord Jesus, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. Father, we do invite you into this teaching now. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. We ask you to open the word of God to our hearts and minds. Father, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you. We commit this time unto you in Jesus' name. So it's 1 John 2, verses 15, 16, and 17. I'm going to go ahead and read it, and then we'll get off into it. Verse 15, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. So three verses. We hear, uh, we hear so much in our in our churches today about the importance of the love of the father and it is uh it is pivotal the the fact that our heavenly father loves us is uh, uh you cannot overstate the importance of it the love of our father comes when we receive Jesus Christ now hear hear me when i say this he loves us Always, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But the relationship with God becoming your father, your heavenly father, only comes in and through Jesus Christ. It's only when you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, trusting completely, totally, and only in him for the forgiveness of your sin and the salvation of your soul, that at that time God becomes your heavenly father. God the Father becomes your heavenly father. 
Before that, unfortunately, um, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are only, they're only a fearful judge to us. There are two judgments in the Bible when we leave this life. There's, there's one in Revelation 20, which is the great white throne judgment, which will be a judgment for all unbelievers. And then there will be the judgment seat of Christ, which will be a judgment for believers. Both of these judgments will be judgments not for salvation. Neither of these judgments has anything to do with salvation. Salvation has come uh, in and through Jesus Christ alone in what he did at the cross in our place and on our behalf. These judgments will be judgments for rewards. For believers who truly have received Jesus, for believers who were saved, they'll go before the judgment seat of Christ. And now based on how they live their life, based on how we lived our lives in Christ and for Christ and to Christ and through Christ, uh, based on the efforts we made to obey him, based on the efforts we made to repent, uh, based on our devotion to him and our heart for the advancement of his kingdom, based on how we cooperated with the grace of God in our lives as believers, we will receive a reward in heaven. Um, this reward will be dependent on us and our deeds and how we lived our lives and our service to Jesus and his kingdom and, and his gospel. Now, again, this judgment has nothing to do with your salvation. Nothing we do, nothing, nothing, we say or do or don't do has anything to do nor affects our salvation. Our salvation comes in and only through Jesus Christ and is sealed by Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God. So our reward in heaven, what will that be? Well, it'll be, you know, how we experience heaven. It'll be uh, our, your position in heaven. Um, you and I can go to a professional football game with 100,000 fans. If you're in the front row and I'm in the back row, we're both in the game, but we have a completely different experience. It'll be the same in heaven. There'll be some people who are in heaven perfectly content, but some will have positions of authority um, that will be far, far greater than other believers. If you and I are in the army and you're a general and I'm a private, we're both in the army. But your experience is, uh, is almost entirely different for the most part, although we're both in the army. So again, it's the same with, with those believers in heaven. There are some who have tremendous positions of authority and some who will have none at all. But again, they're in heaven because they've received Jesus Christ. Now in Revelation 20, the great white throne judgment, people are going to get their due reward in hell. Uh, this will be a judgment for deeds alone because they had not received Jesus Christ as their Savior. And based on how they live their life, none of them will qualify for heaven because nothing we do can ever achieve heaven. That's only done in Christ. So in the great white throne judgment uh, for non-believers, depending on how you lived your life, um, you'll be assigned a position in hell. So yes, those who live a more ungodly life um, will have a have a, a more difficult hell, so to speak. Um, they will have a deeper, darker position in hell. So we find that not everyone has the same place and position in hell. Everyone is there only because they've rejected Christ 
That's the only reason anyone goes to hell is they've rejected Jesus. And no one will have the same reward in hell. And no one will have the same reward in heaven. On the contrary, everyone is only there because they have completely and totally relied only on Christ. Nothing else in themselves or anyone else, but they've trusted completely and totally in Jesus and what he did at the cross for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their soul. And now based on how they've lived their life and obeying Christ and loving Christ and repenting and living for Jesus and loving for Jesus and giving for Jesus and forgiving for Jesus as they did this more and more moment by moment, day by day, as they worked in the advancement of God's kingdom, as they worked to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, their reward in heaven will be dependent on how well they did that, on how devoted they were to Jesus and his kingdom. And again, independent of salvation, this will determine your reward or place in heaven. So the love of your father is a, is a tremendous thing in our lives today. And it's one of the most talked about subjects, if not the most talked about subject in church today, is that God the Father loves you. That God loves you. Obviously, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they all, they all love you. Now, God becoming your heavenly Father comes only through Christ. It's dependent entirely on what Christ has done on your behalf and your simple willingness to receive it. However, how you experience the love of the Father is an entirely different thing from the fact that he does love you. All of you love your children unconditionally, but sometimes they don't experience that love very well. Sometimes you're having to discipline them. Sometimes they don't feel close to you at all because uh, they don't like something you're doing or because they just simply have other interests. They're not experiencing the love of their mother or father. And it's the same with our Heavenly Father. Our, in Christ, our Heavenly Father loves us completely and totally unconditionally. We are his children in Jesus Christ if you're a Christian and saved today. But how you experience that love now is an entirely different thing. Having relationship with God the Father as your Father comes only through Christ. But growing in that relationship, experiencing that relationship, cultivating that relationship is an entirely other thing. And again, it's the same in human relationships. Uh, Stephen and Kayla can be married. And they are certainly married. They are husband and wife. Uh, Mel and Jordan are married. Uh, Tom and Christy are married. Tom and Shirley are married. But how you experience that marriage relationship is different from the fact that you are, in practical fact, married before God and before man. You've gone out and you've had a wedding and you have a marriage license. You're married before the state. Um, you know, you're married. Suzanne and Andy, you're married. Um, Edwin and Sue Ern, you're married. Right? You have a marriage license. You're married. Whether it's the United States or Singapore or England, you're legally married. And you're also married before God. You're married in Jesus Christ. You're, you're married. But now the experience of that marriage is an entirely different thing. Right? The quality of that marriage relationship is a whole other thing now. And that did not come when you said, I do. 
the quality of your relationship with God the Father as your heavenly Father is different than how you came into that relationship, which was by Christ alone. So in order for us to experience uh, increasing intimacy, increasing relationship, increasing fullness, we will have to cultivate our relationship with Jesus uh, and grow in our devotion to him and to our Heavenly Father and to the Holy Spirit. So when we hear uh, consistent messages on the love of our Heavenly Father, who certainly does love us, I've never heard a message here, and yet it's the words, the love of the Father, are very plain here. So I want to discuss these three verses simply because I've never heard it talked about and how this ties in to walking in the love of the Father. Verse 15, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So there's the statement. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. And so we're going to get into what this means. Do not love the world or anything in the world. What does it mean to love the world? And I'm going to say here right off that all of us who are listening to this struggle with love for the world. So I think probably the, the biggest mistake, um, I believe humbly, when coming to this passage, is we have a tendency to consistently look at it through the lens of salvation. Okay, I don't believe he's talking about salvation here at all. So... This passage is not concerning your salvation. Your salvation is secure in Christ. Okay? So this passage is talking about your lifestyle and how you experience and walk in the love of the Father. When we love the world and the things in the world, and boy, do we. I, I, I have love in the world for me. I'm trying to pray in the mornings that the, Father, that, uh, the Holy Spirit would help me to uh, just to really mitigate the love of the world in my life, my desire for the things of the world. Um, they're competing desires. Your, your love for your father and the love of your father and how you experience that is a competing desire with your love for the world. Most of us, if we were to take a few minutes and examine ourselves, we would see, you know what, we really do take uh, an inordinate amount of pleasure, you know, in the love of the world. We really are engaged. There are just things for all of us, right? There are just aspects of our lives that are out of balance in the love for the world. For many of us, there's maybe we just, our lives revolve around food, and our stomach, right? And we just we just can't wait to eat, and we just love eating. And again, of course, the Lord the Lord wants you to enjoy food, but you know what I'm saying here that we are uh, uh, we're obsessed with food. We just love food. We love eating physical food far more than we love our heavenly Father. Um, what we feed our stomachs is far more important to us physically than our spiritual food of spending time with Jesus, spending time in the scriptures. And I'm sure most of us can relate to that, right? Most of us desire physical sustenance more than we do spiritual sustenance. And to the extent that's out of balance is just one example of how we have love for the world. And there are, this manifests in countless ways, right? Some of us are obsessed with watching TV and movies 
and just um, in all that 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 we engage in that right and the you know when you're watching a movie and we just see these things or we have these fantasies and we want a different life and so um, you know we consistently have our minds on on television and um, and all that that does that's just our our love for the world we we consistently are doing things every day because we want to experience a better here and now, now. With oftentimes little concern for the word of God, the heart of God, the kingdom of God, or even the son of God, Jesus, right? Do not love the world or anything in the world. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I do have love for the world and I certainly have love for the things in the world. Lord, I thank you that you made the world and that the world was good that you said. But I ask you to forgive us, Lord, where we have uh, just consistently and inordinately, Lord, um, been more attracted to the world and the things in the world than the kingdom of God and the word of God. And to you, our Lord Jesus, as the Son of God, and to you, Father, as our Heavenly Father, and to you, Holy Spirit, our guide and our comforter. Lord, help us to begin even today to, uh, to see and repent of, of these areas of the love of the world that's in us. Now, what does he mean here? If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Again, this is not talking about your salvation. I don't believe at all, okay? I think almost all of us, not almost all of us at varying levels have love for the world. I believe what he's saying here again is that there are competing desires. And when you're engaging in the love of the world, whatever it is, you are not engaging in walking in the love of the Father. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So it's not an all or nothing thing, right? However, the two cannot coexist in the same moment, okay? in a moment where I am truly engaging in an imbalance where it's not just where, you know, we can use the things of the world in sensible ways, right? We, of course, we want to eat food, right? But if our obsession is with our next meal all the time, um, for those people who want to have a beer or a, drink, a glass of wine or something, okay? Biblically, that's okay. But if you're consistently having so much that you need to get tipsy or drunk, that's a clear love for the world. Again, it's okay to watch a movie. It's okay to watch a TV show. But if you're watching 60 episodes of a series then in, you know, in a week, then again, you are, you're getting far more pleasure out of that experience than you are out of the kingdom of God, the word of God, and the heart of God. So what am I saying? I'm saying it is okay to use the things of the world, but you want to use them in a Christ-centered balance. The Lord doesn't mind if you take a break and, and play a game. Um, he doesn't mind if you, if you watch a movie on Netflix. He doesn't mind if you look at your Facebook or Instagram. But as we are obsessed in these things, it clearly shows a love for the world. And while obsessed in them, the love of the Father is not active in us. So in order for the love of the father to be active in us, in order for you to experience the love of your father, you're going to have to begin to put down this inordinate love of the world. So again, hear me. I'm not saying you have to stop watching movies. I'm saying if you're doing it in a fashion that it takes up inordinate amounts of your time, you certainly want to mitigate that and give yourself more to the things of God, the kingdom of God, the word of God and the son of God. 
So competing desires in you. Okay. And later I'm going to talk about the importance of, I want to minister and you want to minister in the love of the father. You want to help others in the love of the father. And the more your life truly is engaged in the love of the world. If you were just to take an examination of your normal day, and if you move from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, that, that clearly is just an obsession with just different aspects of the world, different hobbies, with little concern for the word of God, the kingdom of God, the heart of God, and the son of God, as I keep saying, then your ability to minister in the love of the Father as a believer in Jesus Christ um, is going to be affected, is going to be limited. The more I'm purified of love for the world, not only will I more experience the love of my father in my life, the more I'll minister in the love of the father to others. And that is a profound principle. Lord Jesus, uh, we just ask you to help us with this. Holy Spirit, help us to, uh, to truly see and repent of these aspects of the love of the world that we might not only experience the love of our father, but minister in the love of our father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 16, for everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. Um, the cravings of sinful man. Our flesh just has consistent cravings. And, and we all know what they are, right? A lust is a consistent craving, not just physical or sexual lust, but lust can take many forms, okay? For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man. We just, we crave things in our flesh that the word of God consistently says are not for us. Most Christians have some level of different bondages in their life where they, they consistently experience the cravings of their flesh in different ways. The lust of his eyes, um, covetousness, right? Believers all over the world, we, we, we struggle with covetousness, with, with truly looking at things and wanting more and more. We want nicer cars. We want nicer houses. We just, we want more worldly stuff. Listen, I'm not saying it's not okay to have a, a nice home. I'm not saying it's not okay to have a nice car. However, if you, if, if you, are obsessed with these things, if you consistently are desiring more and more and more the things of the world, the love of the Father is, is, is not freely active in you if these things are, are very active in you. Now, I'll say again, it's okay to, you know, to want a new car. And, and you know, that's between you and your, and your heavenly Father. That's between you and Jesus between you and the Holy Spirit as far as what kind of car you want to get, okay? If, if you're looking at a $300,000 car, I think maybe there's a chance that your priorities are a little out of whack. If you're looking at a $3 million house, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's a little bit much, right? Now, again, I'm not, I'm not saying thus saith the Lord, but if, if you consistently are craving and desiring worldly things, to the extent that you're doing that, you, it is affecting the love of the Father in your life. It is, it is affecting how you're experiencing the love of the Father, 
and it's affecting how you're ministering in the love of the Father. And we're all ministers in Christ. If you're a Christian, you're a minister. You may not have some title, and, and titles mean very little, um, but you are a minister, and the Lord expects you to minister to others. And to the extent that we have love for the world, and we all have it at different levels, it is affecting how we experience the love of the Father and minister in the love of the Father. The cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, just the covetousness. We just want more all the time. And the boasting of what he has and does. The boasting, just the, the vanity um, of what we have and just our desire for power, our desire for uh, appreciation. Um, Father, forgive us. Forgive me. Our desire for, um, you know, just our vanity, um, just our pride, the boasting of what he has and does. We want acknowledgement. Um, all these things are from the world. And if, if you just take a moment and you think about these things, right, the cravings of your flesh, the ungodly desires that come up in you, um, the lust of your eyes, just your desire for the things of the world, for material things, and then your desire for recognition, your pride, your desire to be appreciated. I mean, we got a lot of world in us. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. Help us, Holy Spirit. Father, help us to, uh, to be purified a little bit, moment by moment, day by day of our love for the world. Because they're affecting how we experience love for the Father. Now, I want to make it clear again. It doesn't affect at all that your Father loves you. Your Father loves you unconditionally in Jesus Christ, just like you love your children unconditionally, right? But how you and your children experience that love relationship is very much dependent on both of you. And how you live your lives, how you and your wife experience that love relationship is very much dependent on how you live in that relationship and how devoted you are to that relationship, how loving you are in that relationship, how giving you are in that relationship, how forgiving you are in that relationship. None of these things, says the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. Okay? And all of us should be able to recognize that. The love for the world is not from the Father. Okay? The desire for the world, the desire so much more for this life, the focus we have on this life. The scripture is clear that our hearts um, was it Colossians 3.1, you know, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. I believe that's Colossians 3.1. Our hearts and minds, Jesus said, don't store up treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy, but store up treasure in heaven, right? And so he said, because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And so we want to begin today to examine our lives and just ask the Holy Spirit to, to, uh, to help you. We need immense help with mitigating the love for the world in our lives. If we're candid, if we really look into ourselves and uh, we make a, an honest assessment, I, I think we're going to find we have more love for the world than we, than we could ever realize. 
And to understand this has nothing to do with your salvation. You're going to heaven because you're going to heaven based on what Jesus has done. But this is affecting how you experience the love of your heavenly Father. Verse 17. The world and its desires pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. That's the irony of it all, right, Lord? Um, is that we spend so much time trying to have a better, more pleasant, more fulfilling here and now just through material things and uh, through affirmation and just through wanting so much from people when all of it is temporary. The world and its desires pass away. This entire age will be gone. You literally do not own anything. You or I don't own anything. You don't own your home. You don't own your money. You don't own your dog, your children, nothing. Nothing belongs to you permanently. And the simple reason for that is because we're all going to die in this life. Therefore, nothing you have is really yours. It's all on loan. There's not one thing you have that you're going to be able to take with you except your relationship with Jesus Christ and the treasure you have stored up in heaven with him. The world and its desires pass away. In the next life, you will have things that are truly your own. Uh, I think it's Psalm 24.1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. The verse is very clear. Everything belongs to Jesus. Your life, your money, your time, talents, and treasures, they're not yours. They all belong to Jesus. And the reason you don't own anything in this life is you can't keep anything. Everything you have is on loan because one day you won't have it anymore because you and I are going to die. Now, in the next life, you will have things of your own because obviously you will never die and that'll be part of your reward for those in Christ. The world and its desires pass away. It's just common sense. All the love of the world in us is nothing but a massive hindrance to us to our experiencing the love of our Father, to our walking in the love of the Father, to our ministering in the love of the Father, to our experiencing ministry for us in the love of the Father. So this whole, this, this whole topic of the love of the Father and how much your Father loves you is certainly true. But these verses are giving us very clear and obvious evidence that the fact that your father loves you and how much you're experiencing that today and walking in that today and enjoying that today and are just excited about it today are very much dependent on this competing worldly desires you have for the things of this world. So again, you've heard me say that uh, this is a balance, right? You're not just, we're, we're not someone that's saying just go move out, sell everything you have, move into the street. We're saying all of us have areas of our lives where we know we just have too much of the world in us, too much desire for the things of the world, too much desire for material things, uh, um, for worldly habits, um, let alone the sinful habits, the cravings or sinful habits or thoughts or desires that come into our mind, sinful fantasies um, that we indulge in in various ways. Um, all these things are a competing desire for the love of the Father. 
And the more we rid ourselves of these things, the more we will experience the love of the Father. Now, hear me, you're going to need the grace of God in all its fullness. You're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit in order to, to begin this process of slowly walking the love of the world out of you. And you're going to have to rely completely on Jesus and make him a part of it. And his grace is going to be material in it. But with his help, we can do it. With the help of the Spirit of God who lives in you as a believer in Jesus Christ, you can begin to mitigate your obsession for the world. And again, it could be anything. An obsession with your children is a love for the world. Many parents love their children far more than they do Jesus, right? They're an idol, an obsession with your spouse is love for the world. If you love your spouse and desire your spouse and think about your spouse a thousand times more than you do Jesus, that's an imbalance. Now, before somebody tells me, obviously I did not say you shouldn't love your children or you shouldn't love your spouse or your friends or your church. Of course we do. Hopefully at th by this time you can see what I'm trying to say here, right? We know that Jesus is supposed to be our first priority. We're fond of saying in the church, God first, family second, ministry third, blah, 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 blah. It's not true, right? If we were to examine our lives and just look at what we give our thoughts and our time and our effort to, uh, Jesus is somewhere down at seven or eight, right? Um, remember when Jesus said, if anyone comes to me and doesn't hate his mother, father, wife, children, brother, sister, can't be my disciple. And what he's saying is your devotion for him should be so far ahead of everything else that the gap between them is the gap between love and hate. That's a separate teaching. But the world and its desires pass away. There's no use in it. All these worldly things that we do, whatever we do, they truly have no eternal value. They pass away. And yet we seemingly give ourselves to them at different levels um, amazingly. Uh, and, and an inordinate amount of worry is love for the world. If you're just constantly worried about stuff and fearful about stuff or concerned about stuff, and, and we all struggle with this at some level, that's, again, a love for the world because undoubtedly everything you're worried about is about something in the world or someone in the world, right? Forgive us, Lord Jesus. Please forgive us, Lord, just this, uh, this worldliness and help us, Holy Spirit, to begin the process of purification little by little, moment by moment, day by day, repentance by repentance, that we might walk more fully in experiencing the true love of our Father and that we might truly minister and love others in the love of the Father. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Now again, this is not talking about salvation, but but it does have a salvation element to it. Can you imagine that any of us who are listening to this message, when you, if you can understand this message, if this message has made sense to you, if you've prayed and received Jesus as your Lord and Savior and said, Lord Jesus, I do ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life and save me from my sin. And you're relying on him and him alone for, for your salvation, not adding anything to it, then you're a Christian. Now, if, if you're a Christian that's listened to this and this is your active lifestyle and this makes sense to you and you say, you know what, I am going to try to mitigate this love for the world in my life, 
then you know what? You certainly are going to live forever and go to heaven because you have you have received Jesus, right? If this is your lifestyle, and again, you know you're trusting in Christ, well, you can be confident, okay, that you're going to live forever with regard to uh, a quantity of life. But remember, eternal life is not just a quantity of life. It's a, a quality of life. And the man who does the will of God lives forever. If you're a man or woman today, and you're going to practice this, you'll have eternal life even today. Because love for the world, it just saps eternal life from us. It doesn't have anything to do with your salvation, but it affects how you experience life with Christ. It just saps it out of us. And when we do the will of God, when we obey Jesus, when we repent where we fall short, when we look to repent of worldly living in our lives, we will have eternal life now. It could be said the man who does the will of God has life forever, now and in the next life. When you walk with Jesus in this way, if you'll begin today, just begin the process. Uh, like, like my brother Jesse says, just find one thing today where you're, in this case, one aspect where you see the love of the world in your life and just try to mitigate it a little bit. You're not going to go, you know, from where you are today to the Apostle Paul overnight. This is going to be a process. But the Word of God is clear that the more you'll engage in this process, the more you'll remove yourself from the love of the world, the more room there will be to experience the love of the Father, to walk in the love of the Father, to love in the love of the Father, to minister in the love of the Father, to give in the love of the Father, to forgive in the love of the Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You'll have life forever. The more you'll walk in this process, the more you'll experience the love of the Father. And certainly you're going to heaven because you've trusted Christ. But as you walk in this, you'll experience the kingdom of heaven even now. You'll experience eternal life even now. And you'll have life forever. In John 10, 10, Jesus said, I've come that you have life and have it to the full. Many Christians, we have life in Christ. We're saved, but we certainly don't have a, a fullness of life. For most Christians, they, have, they just have a, a very difficult life because there's just their life is completely wrapped up. Much of our lives and all of our lives at some aspect is wrapped up in love of the world. Well, Lord Jesus, we do thank you for the word of God. We thank you for these three incredible verses that really revolve around the love of our Father. Father, we thank you that you love us unconditionally, Lord. We thank you that while we were yet sinners, you sent Jesus to die for us. But Father, we do repent now and ask you to forgive us for just, um, just the, the, the substantial worldly love that lives in each of us, Lord. And, and we ask you this day, Holy Spirit, to lead us and guide us and to help us to walk in a purification process. Lord, we know we're clean from a salvation standpoint. We know that we're justified in Christ. We know that you've forgiven us all our sins. But Lord, in this sanctification process, in this life, Lord, the sanctification process that we're trying to be, to grow in the likeness of Christ and to be more like Jesus and to be more holy, Father, we ask you to help us to really to begin this process of mitigating 
the worldly love that we have in its various forms, the different cravings, Lord, the different desires for worldly things, the different boastings and pride that we have. And uh, Lord, we just ask you to help us to mitigate that, that we might be more sanctified, that we might be more like Jesus Christ, our only Lord, our only Savior, our only God, our only King, our only Master. Lord Jesus, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you. We ask you to lead us and guide us today. Help us this day to walk in these ways that we might better experience the love of our Father that's always there. And that we might minister to others in that love of the Father. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org.